Hello, creeps. Hello. The month again. So I'm Taylor. I'm the founder and lead investigator of Class A Paranormal Team, and I'm joined with Sarah here. She is uh, my wingman on these podcasts so far. She's location scout. She's the marketing queen. She kind of does a bit of everything. And uh, we're keeping it light this month. We're just kind of sharing some spooky stories. We've got some ambiance going on. <laughs> I'm, I'm hanging out in the dark in my bedroom. Yeah, yeah. Very spooky. Yeah. We got our creepy little banner that we just got in the background. Um, but yeah, we're going to just share some spooky stories. We will talk about locations that we're interested in, like our wish list, sort of like a few spots that we really want to get into. Um, some realistic ones, some maybe they're just dream locations that, that are, you know, far away or whatever, but that, that, um, that one's on me. <laughs> yeah. I have a few too that are, well, they're in the U S I mean, it's not, it's not impossible. It could happen. It could be a, like a yearly goal thing or something that we, we set up for, but, um, yeah, just, and some reasons why we're interested in them and what makes them, uh, extra spooky and, and, uh, yeah, we'll just kind of creep it real. Hang out for a bit. <laughs> so we you've, told got, you've got some like insane stories that, yeah. But I've been doing this for a while, you know. And I like tell people like if you go looking for it, like you'll find it, you know. Whether it's you know a bit of confirmation bias, like you know you'll have some spooky experiences for sure if you're expecting them. But I mean, I've been in some situations that I genuinely feel were unexplainable, you know, in my probably like about six or seven years now of paranormal investigating. And then even just before that and just finding myself in uh, living in a weird spot or just experiencing something, you know, weird from time to time that I just really can't explain weird dream stuff too. I could probably make a whole podcast about all of the premonitory dreams that I've had. Like, and some of them are so strange. Like, I had one uh, of Robin Williams the night he died, like an interaction with him. Like that one's weird. I don't know, but uh, one of my locations that I'm talking about today, like where I want to go, is actually tied in with like I had a dream about it, so it made it more interesting to me, more compelling. I don't know if it's because maybe I saw an episode about it or something like kind of before, and then it was stuck in my head. But I had like a dream that I was like running away from ghosts in there. Oh, so that definitely goes on the list. Yes. I'm on board. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I was like pull, feeling pulled to it, but yeah, I've had a lot of weird things happen. Some of them are more compelling to me than others. You know, some of them keep me up at night. And Are, are you able to tell the story of your first investigation? Yeah, I could tell yeah. that one. Yeah, as long as I'm, I'm just keeping names, uh, mm-hmm. you know, private. Yeah. So my, uh, in an old paranormal team that I was with, which we also just won't, name but I uh I was brand new to it and I was at work when they started to already go to an investigation so they were already there setting up and then I finished work and it was a bit of a drive out it was about an hour and a half drive so I started uh driving I had a friend giving me a ride and uh so I was getting there a little late but then as I get in the car and we've already kind of started, we're about 45 minutes to an hour into our drive. I get a text from uh, the leader of the group saying like, oh, like, I don't know if you should bother coming here because when we got here and started setting up, we realized that the uh, the owner is a private resident. So like the, the person who lived there was really drunk 
And uh, so he was like, I, so I don't think that there's going to be much to this place, you know, because it's probably just a matter of this person abusing substances and not being, you know, totally rooted in reality. And and he wasn't, you know, super coherent. So they, they just wrote it off already. But they're like, I mean, we're already here and it's already like an hour and a half, two hours out. You know, we might as well set up a little bit, do a little bit of investigating. We'll wait till you're here. And if by midnight, you know, nothing is going on, we're just going to pack up and leave, you know. And, and then he was like, you know, we've told him to stop drinking. So as of now, he's not, <laughs> he's not going to get worse. <laughs> and by the time I got there, um, he had sobered up pretty much. And, you know, we were trying to get some details about what was going on in the place and he was able to explain a bit more and we were setting up and and we started I'm sorry there's I'm trying to spook the music there's an ad on it <laughs> um yeah we were um setting up and we started doing some light investigation and um not too much was happening it wasn't super active at first um, we had the ghost box out. We were doing some, you know, measurements of the EMF. We had um, some recorder sessions. Just didn't really feel anything in the air either. It didn't feel too heavy. But I remember there was like a turning point where you, you could just feel a palpable difference in the atmosphere. And then things just started happening kind of one after the other. So a strange sound over here. And so we go to that room trying to figure out what's going on. And then someone feels like they get touched and we're like, what's going on? You know, we get more equipment out. The equipment's starting to go off now. And we're like, okay, like it feels like something's, you know, arrived. And he's freaking out the, the owner. He's like, yeah, this is it. This is it. Every night it's like this. He's like, I'm not crazy. I swear I'm not crazy. I drink because this place is making me feel crazy. You know, he's like, it's, it's not the other way around, you know, we're like, okay, you know, like we're, we're here. So we might as well, we're going to stay if things keep happening and, and, you know, we believe you, we'll see. And so there's a point, uh, early on in the investigation where we did a bit of quiet time we all split up solo in different parts of the house and we sat we each had like our own recorder and on walkie-talkie and our own uh, like emf detector basically and i was sat under like a it was like under a staircase almost like a little cubby um i was sat kind of across from that in a hallway and um, I had my arm out with my uh, recorder and in my other hand beside it, everything's reversed on this camera, I had my EMF detector. It was just kind of outstretched into the foyer hallway that I was kind of sitting along. And we just sat in, you know, pitch darkness and silence. The plane was just in silence for 15 minutes and then he would walkie-talkie when it was time to start asking questions and then we were going to take turns at all the different spots in the house that we were at asking a few questions and we'd kind of rotate basically trying to uh, form like a net that would catch anything anywhere in the house you know it just it was a good plan it was a good strategy it worked well at a lot of spots but this was my first time sitting in the dark you know in a place that was supposedly haunted on purpose you know with actual machines that could interact and tell me in real time if there was something there you know and the machines were going off while i was sitting there um the emf was pretty lit up quite a bit it was sort of spiking it would stop for like a couple a minute or two but then it would spike again and, and i felt really really cold my arm was like freezing cold and like 
electricity almost like I had goosebumps you know it was like something was sitting beside me almost in the hallway and uh yeah I just remember like panic like creeping up like I was fighting a panic attack for a lot of a lot of it it felt like it was taking forever sitting there and the panic was sort of reaching a peak <laughs> at what I, I thought had to have been the 15 minute mark like and it was sort of all in, in one shot like I got a surge of panic and I I always describe it too as everything got like darker than dark like it was already pitch black there were zero lights on in the whole place but it got like blacker than black for a second it was like all of the energy was sucked into the room like every ounce of light I don't know and in that moment it just felt like a surge of panic and I walkie-talkied and I was like hey hello like is this done like I need to be <laughs> done with this I'm freaking out like my things are going off I can feel something like right beside me and I'm panicking he's like yeah 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 like just stay there but like we'll start talking now we'll you can do your your turn soon and then, then we'll get out of there I okay and funny enough like someone in another room nearby started out with their five questions and the only time that my machine stopped going off was when they were asking their questions almost like you know if there was a spirit there it, it moved and it went to them to maybe answer their questions and then it would come back to me when we were pausing you know and then it'd go to the next person my machines would stop and i would feel i would feel emptiness too wouldn't feel like there was anything around and then it was my turn i think third turn was me and um and then my machine started going off as i start preparing questions you know i asked regular questions like why are you here like who are you you know mm -hmm. um and then the next person went after me and i think they were slightly above me in like a little loft type of thing um with the staircase which you know was right across from me and they asked a question one of their questions was like just kind of commanding it like can you show us a sign like an undeniable sign that you're here like in the moment that they asked that there was a sound so loud it was like a firecracker went off next to me like near the stairs it was like deafeningly loud and everyone in the whole house like jumped you heard everyone just like freaking out like what was that we thought like a you know a shot like an electric box like exploded like so loud and we couldn't figure out what it was i mean we all paused and got up and like tried to figure out what that was we couldn't find any cause of it and then we finally sat back down and they went again and they said can you do that again and it happened again the sound happened again right on the hand and at that moment i saw this like ball of light from the corner of my eye from underneath the stairs so it was right across the hall from me in that little cubby area. It was a ball of like condensed, like the brightest light I've ever seen, like a fluorescent bulb, like flash, mm -hmm. but it was over before it even started. It was the fastest thing. It was a perfect little ball midair at the second that that made sound. And I immediately thought like, it's gotta be something electrical or something that has to be like, you know, a flare ball. And then that sound is like a pop or something, but we went under the stairs and there was nothing electrical down there. It was just like a cubby hole, it was just storage. Like there was nothing. And it happened on command and it didn't happen at all the rest of the night. 
And then uh, later we're all together in the bedroom where he had experienced a lot of like attacks, he was saying. He was saying when he would sleep, he was almost like pulled out of bed or like wrestled with. And he had, he had crosses all around the bed. He had garlic cloves. Like we yeah. thought it was kind of crazy when we got there because already he was drinking and then he literally had cloves of garlic and like all the superstitious stuff everywhere. But he was like, he was just like desperate, you know, he had tried everything he had ever heard of. There was salt <laughs> and everything, you know? So this bed had, you know, things that would happen and shaking and stuff. So we were hanging out there with uh, the ghost box and we had it playing out loud at the time. We weren't doing the headphone thing, but um, we had used it for a few minutes and not get gotten like too many responses. And then some of the other members were sort of distracted and talking amongst themselves. And I was just sat on, I was laying on the bed next to the ghost box and we were basically taking like a break. And uh, I was just half haphazardly like asking a question once in a while into the into the air, you know, not paying any attention really, and not getting too many responses. And then I asked, "Who's your favorite member of this team?" And so loud in my ear through the ghost box, I said, "Taylor." Like it said my name. So and everyone paused and turned around, and they were like, "Did I just say Taylor?" And I was like, "Yeah." It said so clear. I think to this date, that's probably one of the clearest voices I've ever had ghosts. And yeah, it was just, it was so loud. And they heard what I heard, you know, and they weren't, they didn't, I don't even know if they heard the question, honestly, because mm -hmm. no one was paying any attention. So there was no reason for them to expect a certain answer or to be like looking for a word or anything. It just it was so loud and clear that it caught everyone's attention. And then, yeah, I don't know. It was just kind of a, an active place. It just felt active. We just kept having, you know, sounds happening in different rooms. It felt like we were chasing this thing. We were constantly moving around like, oh, there's a, something upstairs. And did you hear that? And our machines were going off. And then it just stopped like that. It was like 2 or 3 a.m. And then it was like nothing. And you could feel it was kind of empty again. And when we were reviewing this place, um, that moment when I was sitting in the dark on my own for the 15 minutes, at the moment where my anxiety peaked and everything went blacker than black and i just had that rush like that need to just think okay okay that's it i'm done you know right before that moment literally two seconds before that moment there's a burst of a whole sentence very clear into the mic which would have been right beside my my body and it said taylor look at me <laughs> so clear i mean so many words like a full sentence same tone of voice same everything said my name again um i don't know if it knew i was new and i it, it knew my fear i was just full of fear on that investigation i was absolutely terrified scared of the dark i'm still kind of scared of the dark, to be honest <laughs> like so if it's true that theory that spirits like feed off of fear then it ate well that night and <laughs> it had a lot of fuel to be able to say things really clearly then you know if that's sort of the food that gives it energy to be able to manifest things then it would have had that sitting next to me for 15 whole minutes while like i don't know if you've ever had like a panic attack you know mm -hmm. like a heart attack panic attack but, like yeah. a lot of adrenaline like i can only imagine what kind of energy comes off a person during a panic attack. I literally got to the hospital for panic attacks. I mean, they're just yep. such an intense, a whole body rush of 
emotion and I was I was shaking my heart I could hear my heart in my ears like it was pounding out of my chest you know so that's a lot of fuel and then just that burst and it, I reacted to it you know but I didn't hear yeah. it in my ears but my body reacted to it it said that's it I'm done this is capacity now that that rush of energy of it speaking beside me was was the tipping point for my nervous system you know hmm. well that is quite the introduction to paranormal investigation yeah, I, was shook. I was shook for a while i was like i don't know if i can do this you know that's why i was so empathetic on the investigation for you guys on your first training mm -hmm. one that there's just some spooky things that were happening and whether they were paranormal or not i know how startling it is in that first first time and like yeah if you need to take a break or like <laughs> whereas i'm just like the death row cell yes yeah. <laughs> yeah, some people are just they're good to go, but takes it shakes you up a little bit, and it makes it real. Sometimes people don't understand; they might be getting something very real by doing this, and it, mm -hmm. it it brings you back to reality that you might actually be toying with something you you don't know anything about, and you don't know how to protect yourself from at all. You know, if spirits I like, it's fascinating. I like things that we don't already know a lot about, right? And there's still room to learn, which is very exciting. Yeah. <laughs> Me, the risk is worth. How important the work is mm -hmm. if something happened to me because we don't know anything about this someone has to be re researching this you know yeah someone has to it's a it's a hard job but someone has to do it you know and <laughs> a lot of scientists and stuff aren't doing it and kind of just have to yeah i mean bad things can happen you get like attachments potentially or you get you know, attacked i, I mean i know <laughs> <laughs> so you had like a really active first investigation yeah out of curiosity what would you say your your percentages of like yes something is happening here really active investigations to yeah we're mostly just sitting around all night like what's your ratio do you think mm, pretty low i mean I, I would say maybe 15 percent of the places that we investigated felt like there was a potentially something there and the mm. rest i would say i didn't i wasn't under the impression there was anything paranormal going on, but oh, different members have different experiences. And so there were some places where it just maybe didn't connect with me, you know, and mm -hmm. I just didn't experience anything or my machinery wasn't really experiencing anything, but other people had, you know, profound experiences at those locations. Interesting. Um, That's lower than I expected it to be. Well, yeah. Yeah. yeah 15 Interesting. I would say 15. Yeah. Percent, I think, but uh, I don't know. I'm also really skeptical, so I mean, I think a lot could happen to me, and I would say there's probably just a, an explanation for it, you know. Of course, yeah, even if I couldn't like debunk it, if it's not something that's right in my face, I don't know. I mean, you could ask Kyle, and you might have a slightly different yeah. answer, you know. He, uh, I don't know, yeah. And he does a lot of the reviewing, so he might hear things afterwards and have a higher percentage. Right? I mean, if, if, the, if the question is how much at the time did I feel like there was something paranormal, it's probably even lower. It's probably mm. closer to like 5 or 10%. Hmm. When I'm talking about like reviewing and as a whole, looking back now on how many I think there's a possibility we're haunted, I would say 15, 20, you know. Hmm. A lot of it is sitting in the dark. Like, that first investigation was active in like every sense, like physically, like yeah, we were insane. like running after things, like in real time we were experiencing things, but it's not often like that. 
it's a lot of things that you find later when you're reviewing and you go, oh, it seems like there was something with us in a lot of parts of this building, you know, that we didn't realize. Or maybe you felt something a little bit. We weren't like, oh my gosh, this is active. Things are happening, you know? It wasn't like action. You know, that's pretty rare. It also depends on the methods you're using to investigate. Mm -hmm. Like if we're doing live review, then you might know more in the moment. Like if you're literally doing an EVP session and then you're listening in in that same room with the headphones for about 10 minutes at what you just took, then you might hear that voice in that time while you're still there. And you can know that you should stay in that room then, or if, if there's nothing, maybe you move to a different part. Like that's a lot more of an efficient way to investigate. It's not always realistic. We don't always do it that way, but it lightens the load for review time, which is already a really heavy thing to do after an investigation. You can take weeks and it, and it helps you uh, know if you're on the right track at the time and it makes things a bit more exciting. It's a little bit of an incentive, keep the morale up. If you do kind of get something like, oh, okay, like we're not here for no reason. That's, you know, that's no, how the computer is. <laughs> Yeah, it's nice. And the interactive real-time things like the ghost box, you know, those are also things that are happening in real time that you can get the action as as you go, you know. You don't review the ghost box, really. That we even heard more of, though, when we because we were live streaming on our first investigation. And so there was, like, more that we didn't notice at the time that we caught on the live stream while we were using the ghost box, yeah, remember? Yeah, you miss things. Yeah, you have to go through it with a fine-tooth comb, yeah. no matter what it is, almost every all the mm -hmm. footage still gets reviewed because yeah you'll miss things sometimes the, you're just there's a lot to focus on an investigation so it, it can be like you're distracted and uh, your adrenaline could be going and you, yeah you can miss things easily so i think it's good though that the percentage is that low because that means you're not just making stuff up yeah <laughs> yeah that's the thing you watch these ghost shows and you have to wonder like every single episode they're they're getting all these crazy results like how realistic could that possibly be mm -hmm. so i've been doing this for seven years and i can only confidently say that i've encountered something paranormal at like maybe two locations out of dozens you know that i've been to yeah. i don't know like are they truly skeptical are they faking things you know uh, you have to start asking those types of questions because i would hope that they wouldn't be faking things but you know i anything for ratings probably is factors in i think a lot of these shows start out um you know not faking things and having like integrity and stuff and then there's just so much pressure by the tv networks that eventually yeah. they need to perform and yeah do people really want to watch us sit around for eight hours and do nothing probably not. yeah, yeah. <laughs> we have to bank on the fact that they do because yeah. That's what we're going to be documenting, and that's what you know. That's the type of stuff we're going to be pushing. It's just going to be reality documentary. Watch us watch things. Yeah, yeah. You want to, there's got to be a, like a market of people that really want to know what it's actually like to be a paranormal investigator. You know, and it's I would hope so. Yeah, investigative yeah. and it's research. You know, it's a little bit dry. Like it's science, and maybe if you're a little nerdy, you might like it, but. If you're just like looking for straight up entertainment and like be feeling spooked like that feeling you get when you watch scary movies like i don't know that's different you have to go to like a haunted house attraction for that or like scary movies like some say you'll, you'll never be scared on investigation like i have been i've been scared shitless like a lot of times 
And a lot of the times we're not paranormal. It was like, I, I thought it was maybe in that moment because you're just freaked out. It's like bats that flew at my face. <laughs> one point, <laughs> or like a mannequin that like he looks like a shadow of a person standing there. Like places we go to are pretty creepy. So those dolls, like they're just inherently creepy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you can easily be startled by a lot of things on, on investigation and and just get that fear feeling or be disturbed. You know, knowing the histories of these places, horrible things happen. Like horrible thing so no matter what you're feeling disturbed already but you have to try to stay neutral too to not let it really affect your like emotions and your nervous system and how you react but i mean it's a thrill but it's yeah. also really boring that's just the reality of it so people want to really know what it's like then they have to be willing to accept <laughs> it for everything that through the, the 12 hours of nothing <laughs> yeah well they don't have to do the reviewing i mean that's our burden we don't make them <laughs> sit through hours and hours and hours like well we can try to like edit you know edit the parts that don't matter scientifically to make it entertaining you know some intros or the history we were talking about that recently how we can make you know when you're going over the history of a place we could mm -hmm. you know make it a little more flashy uh, with production value and stuff like that get some cool b-roll like there's areas in production where you can have fun with things and they don't affect the integrity of the evidence and you're not obviously altering anything to, mm -hmm. you know, change the truth or anything like that, you know? Yeah, history is entertaining too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean that. That's not sarcastic, <laughs> but I actually really enjoy the history of there you go. <laughs> We have a few members that are really into it, but yeah. it's not my thing, that's for sure. But yeah. I spent a lot of time at museums. <laughs> yeah. Museums are cool, but even museums kind of make things interesting, you know? There's still a production value to the way things are laid out and stuff. Kind of Absolutely. have to dress things up a little bit. No one's going to sit there and listen to, like, a PowerPoint someone just blase talking about dates and facts and stuff. In in my in my location wish, wish list, I'm going to tell you a lot of the places are museums. Because there's some crossover with my other work, you know? Well, museums makes total sense theoretically for them to be haunted you know they're bringing in so many different components from different places all of which have history usually they have interesting history so probably like death or trauma or violence or they're part of some iconic historical moment which carries a lot of impact a lot of energy especially if you believe in like the stone tape theory where mm -hmm. energy kind of gets absorbed by matter you know stone or wood or whatever the material is and then you're inviting it all into one space together. Especially if you go to like a museum of haunted things, like the Zach Bagans, like Yes, I was just gonna say there's one of those you know, areas, right? Probably yeah. a hot mess of energy, like <laughs> you know, if you believe in that kind of stuff, then that would be the perfect uh perfect recipe for a haunted place. So I'm I'm always kind of excited about museums because you're getting like a variety pack, you know, you're getting <laughs> <laughs> like creepy stuff from a lot of places all in one one area but then if you have tried to figure out what's causing it i mean that's harder but yeah 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 i was looking at the photos of uh one of them is the smith's falls museum right yeah so i noticed when you pulled up the photos you have two photos they're both different museums but it just so happens both are actually on my wish list so i was confused because one's like a railroad when I, looked, when I looked up Smith Falls Museum, it didn't really come up with direct answers. There were a few different yes. 
things, but you can talk about both of them. Though. <laughs> oh, oh, I will. I will. Both are great museums as well. Just in case anyone's wondering, lots of cool things to see in Smith Falls. You've been there then in person? Yeah, I have. Yeah. Did you feel like you experienced anything there? No, I was always there in the daytime and for specifically the purpose of filming or taking photos. Okay. Uh, but that this the Heritage House Museum especially calls to me. So yeah. so that's pretty high up on my list. I've heard some interesting stories about the railway station too, the train museum, the yeah. which is also fantastic. I think I've heard uh, things about that spot too, actually. Yeah. Railroads. Yeah, I think it's supposed to be haunted. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you can go ahead and talk about we'll maybe do one for one. We'll yeah, okay. So let's look yeah. at so this is the the Heritage House Museum. Okay. Now, this place is like you know, like the Victorian manor homes that you go into, all the all the rooms are set up. It it's really, really well done. And they have like this cool guide. But I've also heard stories of hauntings in this place. Okay. And more importantly, it just calls to me. So and it's nice and close by. It's something this is this is on the very accessible end of, of the wish list, I think. So this is very high up on my priorities list, Sweet. I think. What are, your, is, what are your thoughts? Well, yeah, this is part of uh, the purpose of the podcast too, is just to kind of make loose plans for possibly mm -hmm. our next investigation. Now we've got everyone trained basically, so we can move forward with a more serious investigation. I feel a lot better with like actually booking a place oh, yeah. and going through with proper protocol from start to finish and getting everyone used to those types of things and mm -hmm. going at it with the with the scientific method. I know a lot of people saw the live stream at the other one and were like sticklers about it, but we had to clarify that that investigation wasn't a real investigation. It was a training session and yeah, yeah. everything was very loose and loosely structured and it was just getting everyone used to the equipment and stuff like that. It was and that part was really fun. just for fun. Like we had the boo bear yeah. and the Ouija board we there. Did. We obviously yeah. were trying yeah. our scientific methods. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We never. I should have written a caption with the, yeah. the live stream originally because we never even clarified. That's people were like, "There's a dog there." <laughs> Everyone's just doing whatever. It's like, yeah, it was just for fun. But I want to have a real investigation so we can start talking about our wish list and some of them maybe oh, yeah. close by or more realistic. You know in this area and and things that could accommodate us and mm -hmm. so yeah those could uh, we could set some loose goals to start looking into these places so i, I have tons of close ones that are high up on my wish list though from here my list gets progressively less accessible yeah. <laughs> just, just yeah. warning you okay mine's like moderately accessible so Maybe what would you like to talk about first um i'll talk about kingston pen all right is that one right that one is you know what it's kind of it's accessible in proximity but um not super accessible because they've been pretty stubborn about that one i know that they do tours but as far as investigations go they i don't think have allowed anyone to date i think they've done a little bit of filming privileges for certain mm. things it's really really hard to get in there but uh, it's a creepy place. I, I actually lived in Kingston for a year when I was like 11 years old and I lived really close to the pen uh, while it was still running as a penitentiary. So you could see in the windows and you would drive by. I mean, as you can see, there's like a million windows there. And just the way that it's laid out, it, it makes it look like this massive sprawl of just cement, you know, and windows. 
just brutalism, but, um, yeah, it, it was a lot of people. It had a lot of riots. It had a lot of criminals escape from there. It had some like cool stories, you know, um, had some celebrities, had, um, Paul Bernardo, um, had a serial killer Clifford Olson was in there, a bunch of other people. Um, yeah, quite a few escaped um, somewhat successfully. I mean, they escaped like, for three months' time. They got rearrested for other crimes um, or got killed by the cops later on. Uh, they had children there as young as like eight years old. They were known to beat beat the kids pretty badly with like uh, whip, whippings and stuff. Uh, eight-year-olds, 12-year-olds, women, men, anyone and everyone kind of was in that penitentiary. There was, you know, corruption with staff that are part of the prison complex as a whole happened there. Um, it was open for like 178 years too, which is like a good long time. Wow. And it closed in 2013, I think. So, um, yeah, I mean, between there's suicides, there's murders, there's violence. It, it's a prison. It's a penitentiary. So it's a long time. That's a permanent place that you go to spend yeah. like lifetime sentences in a lot of cases. So, um, yeah, and a lot of, paranormal claims i don't know what they are specifically i just know that there's a lot of a lot of lore around it and um yeah they're just tricky to get into i think they are kind of managed by parks canada i want to say um, oh interesting maybe yeah. talk to me about this later yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah I've, we've networked a little bit with them and uh Fort Henry, uh, no, Fort Wellington, uh, mm -hmm. I've been to, which is also Parks Canada. You know, you try to <laughs> try to make some friends up in the. There's in a the special form. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, I mean, try to get a foot in and maybe with time, they'll loosen things up. But uh, for now, I think they only do like big production, you know, filming and shows mm -hmm. and stuff. And I think that they do tours, which I would be happy to go on a tour. Yeah, totally. But it's a whole road trip to go to Kingston's, like a three-hour drive, I think. And oh, it's only two hours. Is it? <laughs> drive. <laughs> we drive a lot. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, Sophie too. She's like, that's not fun. She drives yeah. too, though. So, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, so that's it's a possibility. To, we could get in there, I think. You know. Yeah. I don't know if they pat you down for recorders or how strict <laughs> like how how we could maybe do a little half-ass thing, but. Yeah, that place has always looked cool to me, and I lived so close by to it that, uh, like, I think I, I feel like I saw, like, faces in the windows. Not, like, ghosts. I mean, I think I saw inmates. I think you could see <laughs> the building when you would drive by. Like, oh, my I, gosh. I remember that, but I was 11, so I might be twisting the memory. But, I, yeah, I feel like I remember, like, driving by, and you were like, yeah, there's, like, people in those windows. Nice. So, yeah, that's an interesting one. Uh, what was your, you've got another one, too? So this is the other one that's still accessible, again, in yeah. Smith's Falls, because you looked up the Smith's Falls Museum. Yeah. I wasn't specific, but both are actually on the list, so that works out well. Gotcha. So this is just the, the train station part of the Smith's Falls Railway Museum. It's actually the Railway Museum of Eastern Ontario. Yeah, and what you can't see is they also have a whole bunch of train cars that are accessible. Oh, like So there are multiple spaces to investigate. Mm -hmm. uh, and I don't know what the specific claims are here. But I've heard that there are some, I, I kind of have this thing, which you, I know you know, that I, I don't want to get like too deep into the history. Yeah. Because if I'm going to go there to investigate, I don't want to be biased ahead of time. So, yeah. I mean, I know there's a line and I'm, I'm trying to find where the right spot on that line is, but yeah. 
I think it's mainly too like the lore that you don't want to get too into, mm-hmm. like what the actual yeah. paranormal claims are. Exactly. So you're not then experiencing those paranormal phenomena subconsciously, you know, like right. which makes sense. You know, that power of suggestion. People have done studies on that specifically where like they would have a group of people come into a room that wasn't haunted, but it they made it look creepy, creepy rocking chair, all this stuff. They they framed it as this haunted Victorian house or something. And they had them come into this room like a tour, you know, and they told this group of people like, oh, people experience like their their arms getting tugged on like a little kid, you know, their, their elbows being touched, things like that, you know? And then they had a control group where they took them for a tour of, that had nothing to do with a haunting. It was like just a tour of Victorian house or something like that. Didn't tell them anything like that. And the group that was told about the touching, like, a huge percentage of them reported feeling touched on their arms and stuff, you know, and then the whole group didn't experience any of that, you know, so we know that that to some degree knowing a lot of the claims could make us expect those things to happen, you know, just even on a subconscious level, even if we're skeptical. So I totally understand that. Knowing the history is a little bit different. We do need to know some of the history to know how to address how to frame our questions, how to set up cameras, how to navigate, you know, just the context of the building itself, you know, how long it's been around and what, what was it a hospital with it? You know, it's, it is such a fine line between having like, a, like a, not an educated guest, but having the, you know, being informed enough to like do your job, but mm-hmm. not too informed that it could make you go outside of your job and, start doing the opposite of what your job is which is to stay neutral it's just it's tricky so i like the system that we have now where you can you get the spoiler alert on our great idea search and and pick and yeah. choose what to know and as long as some people know the basics of the history that we can kind of reference if we need to know like who am i supposed to be speaking to you know what is the name of the spirit i'm supposed to address or what kind of question how, how did they die so how mm-hmm. do i start talking about maybe their death and in in inciting some emotional response from potential spirits right you got to personalize things to some degree but i think it's a good system to have people varying varying levels of information then we can maybe compare experiences and see if those who know less experience less those who know more experience more i mean that could be a correlation that we'll need to take into consideration it starts showing that it is affecting people then we might have to go in there kind of uh, dumb like psychics go in sometimes with zero information and if it comes to that then then we'll do that just seems like it would be really hard to go in with absolutely no idea you know where we're going but (laughs) well for for context here our awesome researcher coco had for people like me separated out the research of Mm -hmm. our last site by here are the basics that you know everyone can know in the background history and then like a big old spoiler alert that don't go past here if you want to know any of the claims yeah. which was really cool yeah and then paranormal claims hearsay word of mouth rumors like just rumors basically paranormal yeah. rumors and stuff which we don't really need to know i mean i feel like kyle would maybe need to know in order to set up equipment in the right spots yeah, like spots that we call it. because of course if someone experienced something real something that really was paranormal in an area then we need to be able to recreate it and be in that area that might be where the ghost lives you know <laughs> might live on the staircase <laughs> why not to some degree we have to try to and we have limited resources otherwise we would just not worry and we'd have cameras at every angle in every room but we yeah. don't so we do have to you know 
be strategic to some degree, but it's a really good system. So yeah, we'll experiment and see what works best. And if it's like the less we know, the better than oh. the less we'll know. I'm, I'm finding the, the sweet spot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, me too. I actually had never even considered it until you mentioned it to, <laughs> to leave some things out. Yeah. But uh, I think it's a good approach. So, yeah. So, now are your other locations that you chose a little bit more accessible than my others? What was your next one? Yeah, no, this one's a lot, even less accessible. <laughs> I, I only picked two out. Um, oh, so, it really is our wish list, like for reals. Yeah, I think so. Like, this one is the Waverly Hills Sanatorium. So, it's in the United States, which is like, not crazy. I oh, okay. This is yeah. Is this it? Oh, uh, is that image came up with the with the Kingston mm. Pen as well? Now I've never seen either of these places, so I'm not sure. But I think both both of our images are double. So tell me about this place, though. Yes, let me make sure. This this looks like it's a sanitarium. Yeah, I think that one may be the sanitarium. Yeah. So what's this place all about? Where is it? What draws you to this one? Yeah. Um. Yeah, so I had a dream about that one. Ooh. Oh, yes, this is a sanitarium. Because I saw those beds and I was like, oh, the Kingston Pen had like people. But no, this, was, weird. <laughs> this is the Waverly Hills Sanitarium because they were a tuber tuberculosis. Yep, uh, that makes sense. Like a hospital, but they housed, um, they were like a school at first, I think. And then they uh, housed a lot of people with tuberculosis, which was like super mm -hmm. contagious. And um, I mean, it, it's interesting because it kind of became its own like community center because of the contagion and everything. It literally started becoming like a self-sustaining community. It had its own like mm. medical area. They raised their own livestock, oh, wow. um, feed it, uh, like had its own zip code. Like it was its own island almost, but not an island and it was its own little world. So it was very isolated, which is kind of creepy for some mm. reason to me. Like, I don't know, like a little like, cult community, but um yeah it was a sanatorium so and i think it kind of freaks me out because with covid and everything it just kind of makes it more real have these like really contagious diseases you know yep. quarantine everyone in a, in a huge uh huge old building like that and <laughs> there was a ton of death you know and tuberculosis was like a horrible way to die it's just you just cough yourself to death and your lungs like flood, <laughs> flood and stuff i think I'm, I'm not a doctor but uh, yeah, it seems pretty awful. Now, where is this location? Uh, it's in the United States. Let me just get the uh, state real quick. It's very, very popular spot now because I think like, Ghost Adventures went there and mm -hmm. stuff in uh, Kentucky, in Louisville. Kentucky. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm going there in May, I think. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. There you go. <laughs> pop on over to <laughs> they've become very touristy i think like they mm -hmm. are definitely banking on the all the paranormal attention so they have like paranormal tours and i, I mean it's i don't think it's really clever from a business perspective like oh, all yeah. these places that have these claims why not lean into that right yeah oh yeah the well, industry entirety of its function now i think is just tourism and history and yeah. tours and paranormal stuff and filming but uh, I think I learned about it from like a Ghost Adventures episode, and and it was a pretty crazy episode from what I remember. I don't remember a lot of the details, but it was like extremely active. How how much I believe that show in general, I don't know. 
to some degree, sometimes the reactions seem really uh, authentic. Like you, you really yeah. can't act that scared sometimes. Like <laughs> especially um, what's his name? Not uh, Aaron. She Aaron. I mean, I don't think he's acting. If he's absolutely terrified, sometimes <laughs> you can tell. You know, <laughs> but you know how much is the evidence like exaggerated or whatever? I don't know, mm. but. It seemed like a really dark, really, really interesting uh, place, and and then I, you know, had a really creepy dream. Like I feel like I was in there, and there were like in my dream there were like spirits like coming at me and trying to possess me, and I just feel like I was fighting for my life in my dream against like spiritual attacks, and everything was really just dark and dingy in my dream. And so now it's on your wish list. <laughs> yeah, it's just <laughs> it's like another person. <laughs> Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. I mean, yeah, honestly, realistically, would I go in there? I mean, I would, but should I? Like, it would definitely, it would become real if there was something that was really happening. I think it would really sink in. I'd be like, oh my God, like, what am I getting myself into? See, that's the thing. Like, you, you have a history of, like, premonitionary dreams. <laughs> so I'm not sure. I know. But I really would advise that you do go I did have a dream in regards to like a spiritual attack and then it, it did kind of happen just like my dream. So I st those ones are extra scary to me because I do know there could be some sort of form of communication on the spiritual side, like in my dreams. But yeah, I don't know how long I would last in a place like that. I like to think that I'm like brave, but I mean, I don't really think I would make I mean, it. You, place you already know they're coming for you. So Yeah, like I think if I was alone in there, you know, that would be, I don't know how much I would last. But <laughs> at the same time, I would, I would just love to be in a space like that. You know, you can't, those are one of the most haunted places in the world, potentially. You can't find that just up the street, you know. It's, uh, yeah, people from all around the world have had experiences there. It's almost like an infestation, you know, of, it's hard to write off all of those claims as reasonable explanations in a place that had so much death and so much of the ingredients that could theoretically cause a haunting. You have to wonder, you know, but I also like our most recent blog post. I don't know if you got to look at it after I just posted it yesterday, but it was uh, like the $1 million prize for in the paranormal. Oh, I didn't heard of that yet. Yeah, there's multiple of them now that exist, but there is this one major one called the James Randi $1 million challenge, paranormal challenge. And it, it was a, basically a challenge for anyone who could prove the existence of anything psychic, paranormal. Oh, yes, I had read about that at some point. That's a way, that's yeah, older, right? Yeah. yeah. No one has ever won that money. Mm -hmm. No one can prove it. Nothing. So he over a thousand people applied just that one specifically. Like I said, there's other organizations who have had, who have done similar ones. There's a Quebec association, the uh, skeptics of Quebec that offered 10,000 Canadian dollars. Hmm. Anyone that can prove uh, literally any kind of psychic ability, any kind of like aura dousing, anything pseudoscientific, basically. Interesting. Um, so what is, spirit. what is their, uh, you know, what's their criteria of proof? Um, it's uh, it's a collaboration between the applicant and the testers, basically, because every ability is different and is going to need different rules and environments. Mm -hmm. But basically, nothing goes forward until the applicant agrees that those are sufficient conditions for them to prove themselves 
to be successful. So they do agree to the whole criteria and everything. Um, and it has to produce uh, undeniable results. So like a yes or no, can't have any ambiguous types mm -hmm. of setups for results. But um, yeah, and it's, you know, all the scientific method, they remove bias, they do blind and unblind testing beforehand with the applicants mm -hmm. and everything. They can test and make sure that everything is kind of the way they need it to be to prove themselves. And usually in the unblind testing, they'll do it successfully, obviously, because they can, like with the dousing, for example, I mean, they are told where the water is and then they douse to the water and make sure that everything's working. And then when they do a blind, they move around the water pipes and like zero success, like absolutely no one has been able to uh, succeed at all in any really? context. So it's just interesting when you've got an incentive of a million dollars, you know, Hmm. I find that surprising, actually, that no one has proven anything. Well, hmm. I'm really interested to read about that. And, like, I'm sure they've documented all of the tries, right? A lot of it was publicly broadcasted. Mm -hmm. so it was more private. They started out only um, taking in applicants with higher profiles. So academic backings, um, mm -hmm. you know, been published in in Liter like scientific literature had some sort of credibility so that they could be out like mentally ill people and like you know general crazies um and they got obviously some applications for that from people with you know careers in it and stuff but a lot of them were chickening out like a lot of these professional psychics like sylvia brown for example mm -hmm. chicken out at the last minute she's like super famous psychic they're all chickening out and then it makes you wonder like well were they worried about the reputation did they kind of know mm -hmm. that they might fail and they could lose their careers and you know so they're they they had a hard time getting enough applicants of high profile sort of career-oriented people with reputations that they started opening it up to a little looser with the eligibility and um, taking in people with like video auditions mostly right. for, that could kind of prove themselves on video at least and uh, yeah I mean they had over a thousand applicants plus tons more in other contests and uh, no one was able to prove anything they did uh, like dousing they did remote viewing um, mediumship um, even like products like weird product like there was a a weird bracelet that someone said would like keep you balanced um and like help you perform better or something like that and so they tested right. that like pseudoscientific you know products and yeah it could have been really anything as long as you as long as it was testable and so that's the thing right. with ghosts it's like how do you yeah. create a lab environment and have a ghost show up on command <laughs> something that you don't even know what it's made out of right so mm -hmm. I mean, whether I didn't find any research on anything being tested in regards to like spirits specifically, but mm -hmm. other than mediumship in which right. no one was able to prove they could connect with anyone in any validated, dateable way, you know, um, it's not to say that there isn't a dead that you can connect with, just that no one was able to connect with that mm -hmm. world of the dead, you know, but yeah, I don't think that you could have a paranormal experience in a lab setting you know like I don't, I don't know how you would do that we we need more we would need to know how to measure it before we could try to measure it and we need to know what it's made out of in order to do that like yeah absolutely it's tricky so i mean <laughs> it's not perfect scientific method and by no means was J uh james randy uh, a scientist or anything he was actually just a professional skeptic he was a magician he was like a sleight of hand magician so okay. he knew how people would think to trick he was really good at knowing 
manipulation tactics to trick the eye and stuff. So he was able sure. to stop people from doing that, which is huh. a reproach. So he left them no room for excuses or trickery or anything. Mm. He really set up very like scientific and stuff. And yeah, people oh, that still- is interesting that he was a sleight of hand magician. <laughs> that, that's it's yeah. pretty clever, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and he said he had no problem for people who like presented themselves as doing like magic like that. But when they started presenting themselves as doing like real magic and tricking people mm-hmm. and committing fraud and stuff like that, it really right. made him angry. So he started this thing. He said, "Put your money where your mouth is. Like prove it." And yeah, I don't know. But there are a lot of people that say that you know, he's he obviously didn't want to give the money away, so he set it up to make it impossible to win. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that. But it was pretty public. I mean, you could. Like I said, it was publicly broadcast. So, I mean, you could see the criteria and the applicant themselves agreed to the criteria. They said, yes, this is an environment which I can prove that I can do it. And then they weren't able to. So, I mean, how much can you blame it on him when all parties consented to the to the system? Interesting. So, I don't know. I don't even know how I got on. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. We're talking about locations, right? Yeah. Okay, so this is an older photo of the Drummond Hill Cemetery. Uh, I've actually, I've live streamed from here recently. So if you like go back to my page, you'll even be able to walk through and see this place. Uh, But it's pretty cool because it's part of the Niagara Falls Museum Network. And so they have like an actual museum with exhibits on various things, including the War of 1812. And then there's a couple of like smaller historic host museums that are attached to their museum network and this cemetery because it's also the battlefield for the Battle of Lundy's Lane. So normally a cemetery wouldn't be on my list because, you know, generally from there. Yeah. Spirits don't hang out in cemeteries. You know, it's a where you died or if there's an object that something's attached to or but not in a graveyard right right but this is where a lot of people died so battlefield that'll do it yeah so allegedly there are a lot of a lot of reports of people seeing apparitions there and people in soldiers uniforms and that sort of thing so i think residual haunting yeah exactly so if i was going to go to a cemetery just one it would be that one now i've been there several times in the daytime and i love this place i like cemeteries in general yeah they just feel very peaceful yeah yeah lots of lichens, you know there are lots, lots of good things about cemeteries and i like history right so it's a piece of history even yeah. though that sounds a little bit more but it is i mean you have this record of all of these people that died in this area uh, but in terms of hauntings this would be the way to go okay. and then you, you didn't have a third choice right no so now we're on like my real wish list wish list yeah which I know that like not everyone likes to drive as much as I do, but at some point I would love it if like even a subset of us could go to Lunenburg. So Lunenburg is in Nova Scotia. Mm-hmm. We went on uh, last year, just before Halloween, we went Beautiful. on a haunted Lunenburg tour. So Lunenburg walking tours does a ghost tour and it's fantastic. Nice. The great we have we have a blog on all this too if you want to check it out yeah, yeah. this blog so that's in there and yeah that's right that's right that showed up there so it really is a wish list location yeah, yeah. <laughs> but every like around every corner there was something with 
stories of paranormal in Lunenburg. It, it, the whole entire place. I'm not just saying that one place that I showed. That's not even the one that I wrote about. This is a completely different one. Oh, okay. So, like, just all of Lunenburg is full of stories. Mm. So I, there, you could spend weeks there investigating different places. You know what that reminds me of? Niagara on the Lake. Oh yeah. That whole city, it feels like um, the whole city just kind of is dripping in like the spooky. I don't know if you've ever been there too, but it's creepy and the people are kind of creepy. (laughs) Okay, so we we have been there a couple of times recently even. And every time we drive through, kids are like, this this place looks like it's a Hallmark movie. (laughs) Yeah, it's creepy. I've never gone into the stores or anything. We we go to the, uh, there's a National Historic Site there. So we go there to, to hike. Yeah, and they're very about their paranormal sort of. There's like paranormal shops there, and like the there's definitely a lot of history, and they acknowledge it. But yeah, the people mm. are like creepily, like kind of like happy. Like it's very Stepford Live and like suburbia. Like it's got a really eerie feeling. It's Ooh. so. I was already planning on going back there this spring, so now I'm definitely going back there. Yeah, I mean, I've only been there once, but that was just my impression. I just remember stepping into it, and being like. Well, it's such an odd place. Like, uh, <laughs> I'll turn on my GPS tracker just in case. Yeah, lose me to Niagara on the Lake. You'll know where I was last. You can come. Yeah, yeah. Bring, you can come bring the meters and <laughs> check yeah. later. Yeah, yeah. It's just kind of known to be like a whole haunted town. You know, mm. there's another uh, Gananoque is like that too. Um, with the old team that I was with, we kind of just did a whole summer of Gananoque locations, like wow. sort of a project sort of thing that we did. Because there were so many in one area, we just said, "Well, let's just streamline. Let's just take two months and just repeatedly yeah. do all these different spots in in the little area." And uh, yes, yeah, so they have a lot of spots in Gananoque. I'm sure in a lot of other rural areas, but I have firsthand experience with that. And yeah, from little ice cream shops and hotels, motels, old uh, department stores you're in, um, churches, variety uh, homes, and we had some active locations there i'm sure you've heard me tell a story of like the oh yes dream and kind of the yeah. of i don't like that i don't like that story no it's I, so i you know that i am very uh very brave when it comes to like what types of things we're investigating mm-hmm. something about that story has made it so that is the one place i don't think i would ever like choose yeah. to go yeah, I don't know if I could go back in there. But part of me really wants to. Like, I do feel drawn to that place. And we spent so much time near that place because we had other locations after mm-hmm. it to go back to. And one was almost across the street. It was a church, like, not very far up. We were all feeling so pulled to go back there. Um, and I think we actually were getting kind of responses at the other location from mm-hmm. oh, followed us because it was referring, got ghost box voices that were, like, making references to the other place. And things like that but it was weird but yeah that was a dark place it was really a a storm of different components it was my dream that matched up it was a first of all a nightmare so I had a very bad experience just having that dream in the first Mm -hmm. place I didn't feel well when I woke up like I felt just I felt like I was it was real you know and uh and then it then that dream actually happened in real life to someone that was a good friend at the time, you know, and, and, and the least likely person to have, you know, to be theatrical in any way or to, 
like I don't know make anything up and 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 he didn't know about my dream so it was impossible that he was you know taking any suggestion from that and mm-hmm. it started happening you know this person you start that you've known for so long starts acting different and looking different his face looked different his voice sounded different he moved different he was talking to himself he was just being so weird for two hours and then had no memory of it he was throwing up on the lawn like just this whole thing all night and then just different evps that we got there mm-hmm. just the lore around it they're supposed to be like little children but it felt like demonic if anything and it creeps you out you know because you think you're maybe i was playing with like that little kid earlier in the day mm-hmm. before my nap actually right before my nap like playing with like toys and like because i was nannying at the time so i mean i love kids and i was already in that zone i was like i'll be the perfect person to interact with this like little child spirit and you know i was like draw draw with her and like play with little toys and and i think i had captured like an evp that was it sounded like a little toddler's voice like it really did and it was responding kind of intelligently to um one of my questions and and then later you realize that it, there's a good chance that that's not a child. <laughs> like, And there's no reason for a child to have been in that building, like a child spirit. There weren't really any yeah. kids there. It was like a, you know, the basement was where it was like bodies burned and stuff. And so I don't know why a child spirit would be there, but it got just super dark and became apparent that yeah, I don't think that there was a child at all. I think something was taking that persona on, you yeah. know really make you vulnerable and mm-hmm. I had my guard down because I thought it was a child so it worked that's exactly like theoretically what they do right just make you vulnerable and then they impersonate innocent you know beings yes. yeah just the whole energy that's didn't didn't you say that place was like full of mirrors too yeah 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 so no happened. definitely the the possession and the mirrors combined no thank you I and so, psychics had talked about how the mirrors were portals before, but we didn't interact with psychics and we didn't take their reports into account at all because mm-hmm. we were a scientific team. So I did barely even remembered that tidbit until it was relevant later. But yeah, there were there were so many mirrors in this place that there was it had to have been like yeah. a real reason or it was part of the aesthetic or I don't know what they were doing, but there were hundreds of mirrors. So I think that might so actually ha- subconsciously be the thing that's keeping me away from that place, not the possession yeah. itself, because I I have like almost no fear of anything. Yeah. None of like the common phobias or anything. But mirrors in the dark freak me out. Yeah. Always have. You know, people that do scrying and stuff in the dark yeah. in years, I would never do that. That sounds Oh, insane. yeah. No way. a recipe for psychosis, to be honest. Yeah. I, uh, mirrors in the dark freak me right out. I don't know why, yeah. but they do. So. Lore. In almost, like, every religion and culture, there's lore regarding mirrors. And basically all of them revolve around mirrors being portals to the other world. The world I don't even have a problem with mirrors generally yeah. until the lights go out. Yeah. And I, I can't recall any experience I've ever had that would be yeah. a reason for that. Like n- nothing bad has ever happened. Instinct, maybe just, just know better. Always has. Yeah. No, the mirrors, they're there. And then they were a component in my dream that night. And then they were a component in the actual possession mm-hmm. issue. He he was looking in all the mirrors and he was talking about the mirrors, how there was, he had to find something in the mirrors he was saying. And he also said that when he looked in the mirrors, his eyes were black. And his eyes 
were absolutely black. Like I saw his facial features were like all like rearranged almost. His face looked different. It was really weird. And yeah, he was looking in all of the mirrors. He was spending so much of fixation with the mirrors. And and we were just letting him do his own thing because he was in his own world. Like he was barely even in reality after a certain amount of time. Mm. He was just going in and he was just filming into the mirrors like for like an hour at a time at one mirror, just not saying anything. He was just totally tranced, you know? This is so fucked up. <laughs> oh, that's freaky. <laughs> yeah. And he was smelling like death too. That was another mm. symptom. Smelling, uh, he thought there was like dead animals and he was searching around trying to find disperse the smell but no one else could smell it and he was like he couldn't believe that no one could smell it he's like how do you not smell that it smells awful it started driving him crazy like after mm -hmm. a while you could tell it was driving him crazy like he was it's all he was talking about he was like how do you not he was getting up, upset you know <laughs> trying to find it like yeah i don't know he's behaving completely differently than i'd know him and and he didn't know anything about my dream about that basically mm. that exact sort of thing happening mm. slightly more symbolic in my dream but also some very direct parallels to or there and it was regarding him specifically you know, crazy and <laughs> yeah yeah and he just totally he didn't remember anything after and that would be terrifying he was yeah he was so shooken up after mm. at first he was really scared and then he got angry and then he wanted to go back in and confront it he felt violated i think you know he had a he had a cycle of nausea, I think, confusion, and then tears, and then anger. It was like a he was processing, you know. It took yeah. him about half an hour, forty minutes to like come back to reality. It seemed like, and then he was he was pissed, and we had to go back in there. I was like, I'm not going. We had to spend the night there. I I don't think there was a chance that we were going back in there. He's like, No, we're staying here. I went. So we all slept together, all together, like in the living room. Like in the living room huddle? I don't think we slept at all, but there, yeah, there were like eight of us on a, on a pillow couch and on the floor, just with sleeping bags and the couches, like all together. And then <laughs> him separate. He went back to his room where he was the night before in the, in the basement, in the part where the crazy stuff happened and where the kid spirit was supposed to be. Yeah, he was all alone down there. He went back down there. What the hell? It, was, it was a battle he needed to handle himself. You know, it was his own vendetta and he needed to be alone with the spirit or something. Or I like, don't know. I'm pretty sure if I get possessed on an investigation, I'm yeah. not going back in to get repossessed. Nope. Me either. Just saying. It's a hard pass. Yeah, that's that's where I draw my line, Taylor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah, possession, that freaks me out. Yeah. I could handle a lot of that. I think I wouldn't mind like a little bit of a physical attack or I think there's a lot of things that I could probably stomach from what you hear could, you know, the dangers that could happen. Possession, like, oh, that's just so personal. It's in you. Yeah. Like, it's, I don't know. Well, I my, just... my partner Adam's request every time I leave is just, if you're going to get yourself possessed, do your best to get possessed by someone I'd like to live with. And, you know, <laughs> if we're being really specific, maybe someone who wants to do slightly less things. Yeah. <laughs> I'm calmer, <laughs> more chill. Oh man! <laughs> You're gonna get possessed. At least give me a break. Right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Seems so switch on and off. You can be in like a polyamorous relationship a little bit sometimes. Yeah, there you go. And then you get sick. You switch it up. Get the other Perfect. personality. Perfect. <laughs> Coexistence. <laughs> yeah. Oh 
Oh, yeah. We should write that. Yeah, that's a good show. Let's do it. Yeah. Have you ever seen <laughs> United States of Terra? I mean, no. that's, I mean, comparing DID to a possession is completely not appropriate. <laughs> it's not the same thing, but, you know, multiple personality disorder. Yes. Um, yeah, it's, um, I can't remember the actress's name. She's in a, she's in a lot of things. She's in, um, what's that horror movie? Um, what's the show called? United States of Terra. All right, I'll look for it. Look for it's it. great. She has multiple personalities. Um, some are like, you know, like a hillbilly kind of man. And one's like, you know, a housewife and, um, oh my goodness. So, uh, oh, Tony Collette. Okay. So she's in Hereditary. That's that scary movie. There. Oh, okay. A lot of things, but um, The Sixth Sense. Um, yeah. United States Terror is a great show. All right. It's super funny. It's kind of like dark and like disturbing at certain points. Uh, she's a great actress, but yeah. Not comparing awesome. multiple personalities to possession. <laughs> I can see how your brain went there, though, from like what we were talking about. It's going to appear the same, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, definitely don't want that to happen, but I guess it's the risk of the job. So I'm not going to stop doing this. So, so I think that the best way to wrap this up mm -hmm. is to ask you, what do you think of, like, all the places that we talked about? If we could only go to one and let's say, let's give it a time frame. Let's say it's in the next six months. Yeah. Where are we going? Um, <laughs> I mean, the Smith Falls, either of the Smith Falls ones are more than realistic and attainable. Yeah. Figure out what their fees are and stuff like that. But um, yeah, in the near future, those are the ones that I think that we could actually take the next steps to set up. All right, let's do it. Yeah, I don't think Kingston Penn or Waverly Hills is quite on our on the <laughs> on the plate quite yet. And they all go anywhere. <laughs> East Coast too. East Coast a little bit far, but maybe one day, hopefully. That place was beautiful. The, the Lunin, yeah, the Lunenburg. Yeah. Well that one's actually the the academy. So okay. the school there. Yeah. The the other one, the Boscowan Inn, was the one that I wrote about. Mm. That place actually just sold. It went up for sale. And I'm like, oh man, I really wish I could buy this haunted inn. But yeah, yeah that's the dream. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, yeah, we can take next steps for that. All right, let's do we'll it. As well as it is. That's uh, that's uh, you and uh, any other locations guys I want to get out in on it. You've got my permission to uh, reach out, and then fantastic. What they say, yeah, that's perfect. I got some pictures to send them anyway. So cool. Well, you hear it here first. <laughs> that could be our next uh, next destination. Yeah, that'd be cool with that. Yeah, it, look, it looks like a cool spot. Either one of them. Yeah, they're both very interesting. Maybe the museum would be a good start yeah. spot. I think that's my starting spot. I got to go there. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, <laughs> as long as it's kind of like not a million dollars for the night. <laughs> we always like have to wonder like public spaces. Sometimes they need to keep security overnight to uh, yeah. be with us and stuff, and that's that's fine as long as it's you know within reason and if not we'll just start saving and uh you know maybe we should get a patreon so our lovely yeah, definitely. fans can help help us get into these spots you know if fans want to see us in certain places maybe they can help us get there you know mm -hmm. effort crowd 
crowdsourcing, is that what it's called? Yeah, and definitely as you're watching, if you have suggestions of places that you think that we should investigate, yeah, then do let us know. Yeah, yeah. Tell us your wish list and tell us mm -hmm. your like spooky stories. Especially if they're local. Like oh, definitely. Lore. Try not to get, you know, uh, swayed by any of it if we go somewhere, but it's always cool to hear the ghost stories. Nice to collect it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's a lot in Ottawa. Ottawa and uh, Kingston are some of the most haunted places in North America, apparently. Love it. And the running series because of the limestone that there's so much limestone that's mm -hmm. built upon. But yeah, yes. Check out our check out our blogs. There's a lot of uh, content on there uh, regarding Sarah's wish list. There's content on there talking about the million dollar uh, contest and the logistics of that. There's. Uh, content on there talking about the stone tape theory and residual hauntings like we were mm. talking about which might be like the battlefield where yeah time sort of loops um yeah we've got a lot of uh, relevant content on there follow our socials see where we're going next maybe smith's falls uh this podcast is monthly so the last saturday of every month we will be here we'll have guests we will have other members, hopefully. <laughs> One of these times. No, stuck with me forever. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's gonna be good. So that's uh, that's what we got going on. And see, yeah. All right. See you, see you next time. Yeah. See you next time.